when you have great coaches, then after you have great coaches, you get great players, you have a great organization, and you tell them one thing. Just win, baby. <laughs> Let's go, Raider Nation. Welcome back to Just Pod Baby. I'm your host, Evan Grote. This episode is brought to you by the Silver and Black Pride Podcast Network, powered by SB Nation. Well, our country continues to reel in this uh, coronavirus pandemic, but we did get a much-needed distraction from the cruel reality that we are now facing in our country, and that was in the form of NFL free agency. Uh, As we discussed on last week's episode, the legal tampering period began Monday, and the new league year calendar uh, got underway on Wednesday. So I want you to just sit back, get comfortable. We've got a lot to discuss. I will break it all down for you and give you my take on what John Gruden and Mike Mayock have accomplished in the first week of free agency. Now, also later in the show, we'll be joined by Vinny Bonsignor, uh, Raiders beat writer for the Las Vegas Review-Journal. He will join me, and he'll give you some of his thoughts um, on the additions that were made to the roster. Before we get into free agency, though, I do want to touch on some news that came down in regards to the NFL draft. As we know, the NFL announced uh, last week that there was going to be some major changes happening to the to the draft in, in response to uh, the coronavirus that's affecting our country. Uh, they, they announced that the public events were, were canceled out in Las Vegas, and uh, inevitably we knew this was going to happen. Uh, the draft is no longer going to be held in Las Vegas. So uh, they're currently in the, the planning stages of what what is going to happen next. From what I've read, uh, the idea that they're kind of toying with at this point is more of an in-studio broadcast without prospects, most likely just the commissioner announcing the picks on stage, probably by himself. Um, if you've ever seen what the uh, Major League Baseball does for their drafts, it, it would probably be very similar to that, I imagine. So uh, just really unfortunate for the city of Las Vegas. It would have been a, a huge, huge weekend for them, would have brought in hundreds of thousands of people, and um, would have been really good for their local economy, which I know is really taking a big hit right now, much like many of the, the big cities in our countries uh, is, you know, small business families, you name it. Every, everyone's being hit hard right now by this. So just really unfortunate. Um, and, you know, and it was, it would have been a great opportunity for, uh, not only the city of Las Vegas to kind of put themselves on the map as an NFL, um, city, but it really would have been a chance for the Raiders to kind of take center stage. So, um, again, hopefully maybe next year they'll, they'll give the Raiders another chance and they'll give the Vegas another chance as well. Okay, let's shift gears now to some more positive news, and that's that's free agency and the additions that were made. Right now, the Raiders look much improved on paper, and we all know that doesn't mean a whole lot right now, but it is a good sign, especially on defense, which is where money needed to be spent, and that's exactly what Mike Mayock and and John Gruden did. They were very aggressive in addressing a lot of needs. Uh, Like we expected, they were linked to several free agents. Um, They reportedly offered some big-time money to some of these guys, and although they didn't land everyone that they wanted to, 
uh, they can walk away from the first week of free agency and be and be happy with what they've done here. They've got a much better roster. Uh, I'm going to start with the defensive side of the ball. Uh, the two big moves on defense were at the linebacker position. Two linebackers were added, Nick Kwiatkowski and Corey Littleton. Uh, you know, these players uh, have different skill sets, but both really starting to come into their own. They're both young players, I think 26 years old, both of them. I'm going to start with uh, Kwiatkowski. Uh, he's a former Chicago Bear, and he's an interesting story. Um, you know, I don't watch a ton of Nick Kwiatkowski uh games leading up, you know, to this point, but, he, you know, he was a member of that Bears defense that had been uh, very good defense the last couple of years, especially in 2018 when they first uh, had Khalil Mack there. Um, you know, so he's kind of taken a backseat to a lot of the other uh, bigger name players on that defense, but he really saw, at least in 2019, he really saw an increase in playing time uh, as the season went on. In fact, I I went and looked up some numbers just so I can get get you an idea of what, what I'm talking about here. In weeks one through eight, he played in only 45 snaps, so he really wasn't getting any time the first half of the season. He was primarily used on special teams, and that was it. And then in weeks um, nine through 16, he played in 467 snaps, which was 90% of the snaps um, in the in the last what uh, seven games, eight games. So. You know, that's that's something you like to see. And, you know, I'm not totally uh, sure if that had to do with injuries or anything along those lines. But, um, you know, he is a solid tackler. He's decent against the run. He, he, he's effective as a blitzer. I saw some clips out there. Obviously, these are only highlight clips, but I did see some clips out there of him. Um, he does look like he, 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 you know, has some ability to, to rush the quarterback, which is nice to see. Um, I did read um, some some information on him that I, I, I read from his uh, defensive coordinator last year, Chuck Pagano. And it talked about how he really began to, to gain the trust of his coach um, you know, to, in the second half of the season. So he must have been showing some, some good improvements in practice or something along those lines. And Pagano really began to trust him in the passing game, and that's why he was used much more as a three-down player in the second half of the season. Obviously, you can see that was the case through the number of snaps and how they, they dramatically increased. Um, he registered 68 tackles, eight tackles for loss, three sacks, an, I, uh, an INT, and one forced fumble. So uh, he was, um, you know, he can impact the game from a lot of ways. So, and, and that's something that the Raiders have have lacked here in the last couple of years. They need some players that can really impact the game on the defensive side of the ball, especially at the linebacker position. Um, I, if, if if analytics is your thing, um, I did see that he was ranked 15th among linebackers um, for Pro Football Focus, with an overall grade of uh, 72.6. And again, I mentioned pass rush ability. He had a 81.8 pass rush grade. So that's something you like to see there. Um, he you know he's a young, he's an ascending player. He seems to be getting better and better, and he's only 26. So uh, and he really hasn't had uh, the opportunity to really. Uh, become a big-time player in this league, and he he will be given that opportunity to make an immediate impact with the Raiders. The other linebacker that was brought in was Corey Littleton, and and this is the guy that Raider fans were were begging for, um, and their wish was answered. They, they finally get um, a big-time linebacker. Uh, it's been a while since the Raiders have gone out and and spent some money at the position. Littleton was also ranked uh, in the top. 15. In fact, he was the eighth-ranked linebacker overall, according to Pro Football Focus. He's much more athletic than uh, Kwiatkowski, so that's where you're going to see a big difference with these two guys. Um, 
no longer uh, will tight ends dominate this defense. Okay, you're going to see his athleticism show up in his coverage. He he's he has experience covering guys like George Kittle. You know, playing in the uh, NFC West division, so uh, no stranger to uh, good tight end play. And I, I think with the addition of both Kwiatkowski and uh, Littleton. Uh, and when you combine in there, you throw in there Jonathan Abram, who will be back this year, things are going to look much different on defense this year when it comes to guarding running backs out of the backfield and, and tight ends. Um, a little bit more on Littleton. He he can really do it all. He he, he really does it all. He's a three-down linebacker. You know, you're just basically your modern-day NFL linebacker. He's a little bit undersized. I think he's only 225 pounds, but he can run. Uh, last season, he racked up 134 tackles. I believe that led the team for the Rams. Three and a half sacks, nine passes defended. Uh, I saw a stat in the last two years, he has 22 passes defended. So that's really what you want to see. Two forced fumbles and two interceptions. So as far as playmaking ability uh, is concerned, the, the linebacker crew has been upgraded in a big, big way. Now, um, the position group as a whole, there's four linebackers right now. Uh, they had Markel Lee already under contract. They offered a second-round tender, or they placed a second-round tender on Nicholas Morrow, so I expect him to be back as well. Um, so the question now that, that you know you, you ask yourself is, is how many more guys will they look to add to that room? Um, are they going to look to add another guy in free agency? That's that's a possibility. Is Kenneth Murray or Patrick Queen still an option in round one? I know there's been a lot of talk uh, in, in the mock draft world about possibly adding a linebacker. Now is that still the case? So that, that's a debate for another time, but it is certainly something that I'd like you to think about and, and consider as we move towards that draft here in a couple weeks. The pass rush also got some help. Um both on the interior and on the edge. I'm going to start with Malik Collins, the former Dallas Cowboy. He came over, joined the Raiders. He's going to come over with his former D-line coach, Rod Marinelli. So they have some uh, familiarity with each other, which is a good thing. Uh, and this guy's got some juice. Again, I, I don't spend a ton of time watching Dallas Cowboy games, but um, I've had a chance to kind of take a look at him in the last couple of days. And he, he's got some major upside as a pass rusher. Um, and I think he immediately steps in and is the best you know, interior pass rusher on the roster, without a question. And I think that um, I saw a stat, and I'm not sure if I have it 100% correct, but it was something along the lines of uh, uh, Collins had 48 quarterback pressures last season, and that was more than the entire Raiders uh, group of defensive tackles put together. So, again, don't quote me on that, but it was something along those lines. And uh, in my opinion, this is probably the most underrated signing right now. You're, you're going to hear a lot about uh, Littleton and, and Kwiatkowski and Mariota and those and, and those guys, but Collins is kind of flying under the radar, and I think he's going to have a major, major impact on the defense. I think um, he's going to do wonders for uh, guys like Cleon Farrell and Max Crosby. And I want you to think about something here for a minute. Uh, for as long as the Raiders' defense has lacked – a reliable linebacker, when is the last time you can remember a presence on the inside that could generate pressure? I mean, that was all you heard about when we had Khalil Mack, you know, was how he needs help. Can't They don't have an interior pass rush. It's been a long time. I mean, so so I think they finally have addressed that. I'm not saying he's going to, um, you know, totally change the defense, but I think he, he he's definitely going to make a be a difference maker. And the, and the thing I love about him, he's only 24 years old, so he, he's just now coming into his prime. So I expect big things from him. 
Carl Nassib uh, was another player that was added to that pass rush. He'll, he'll be used more as a rotational guy. He's he spent time with both Cleveland and Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay the last two years. Um, and he's got a lot of the same traits that you see in Max Crosby, which is why I think um, Mayock was attracted to him. He's long, 6'7". He's a high-motor, high-energy type of player. And um, he's been highly productive the last two seasons in Tampa Bay with 12 and a half sacks. One thing I want to point out is that I looked up um, some numbers on him as well. He only played in 56% of the snaps last year, so he's definitely a rotational player. Um, but I think when you combine the fact the, the production that he's had with the amount of snaps he's had, it, it shows you that he's a very highly in, uh, efficient player, and that's what you want. If this guy's only playing you know, 40% of the snaps, 50% of the snaps, but he's getting seven, eight sacks, you know that that's what you're looking for. It's very efficient. So um, I think a lot of people, from what I've been gathering uh, on social media, which um, I, I think that some people are surprised at the amount of money that he got. He received a three-year contract, $25 million dollars, and $17 million of that was guaranteed. So, you know, it might seem like a little bit much uh, for a rotational pass rusher, but it's a premium position. So, you know, oftentimes if you want to nail him down, you got it. You, you may have to um, ante up a little bit. So I'm excited to see what he can do along with uh, Farrell and, and Mad Max and, uh, you know, and under the tutelage of, of Rod Marinelli, who they say is one of the better uh, D-line coaches in the league. Now, a little side note here. There's two players who were put on notice with, with these two signings, and I think that's P.J. Hall and Arden Key. Now, you know, they've had two years in the league now, and I, I think it's safe to say that they've underwhelmed a bit here. Uh, Arden Key battled, you know, had the injuries last year. He was showing some some improvements, I think, but I do think both of those two players really, really need to, to get going here in this next, in this next year here, um, and I think that those signings are a clear message to those two players that, you know, they are not satisfied with uh, the production that they've given the last uh, two years. Some additions were made to the back end of the defense. Uh, Jeff Heath, and uh, another former Cowboy, and Eli Apple uh, were brought in for some depth. Um, by now you know that um, the, the, the news is that the Raiders were, were going really aggressive for uh, Byron Jones. Uh, you know, he was probably... One of the well, he is one of the bigger names who were on the market this year, and they they offered him more money than the Dolphins did, but it came down to the guaranteed money, um, from what I hear, that the guarantees that were in the contract. So you know you can't you can't fault the Raiders; they went hard at him, but it just didn't work out. And um, you know, again, I, I've getting the sense from the fan base that uh, they they've been frustrated with uh, kind of coming up short with some of the the cornerbacks. Um, if they would have landed a guy like Jones, then you know this class or this group of free agents would have gone from you know a very good class to just a complete home run. But um, anyhow, uh, Heath he's a special teams ace, and again he's a former Cowboy, so he has familiarity with um, not only Marinelli but also don't forget Rich Rich Basaccia. He played a couple years for Basaccia, so you know I think Basaccia had him brought over, but. Um, I don't think he'll be used as a starter often uh, at safety, or at least I hope he doesn't. I just, and it's not a knock on him. It's not that he can't, but I just don't think that's where he's best suited as an every down starter. I think right now Eric Harris has the advantage, being familiar with Gunther's defense and what what's going on out there. And I think he's he, he played well, so I think he deserves it. Unless they again bring in somebody, uh, whether that's through the draft or uh, what have you. Um, Eli Apple has, again, I, I alluded to this just a minute ago about I'm getting the sense that 
the fan base was a little bit unhappy about what's being done at corner. And, and Eli Hap, Apple, he, he's he's been getting knocked a little bit um, by Raiders Twitter out there. And uh, to me, I don't think you can really complain. They did they did aggressively go after Jones. Uh, they offered Chris Harris a three year deal, and he he. Um, it was uh, reported that he just didn't feel comfortable with, with, with the Raiders' defense, and he felt more of a comfort uh, opting to go with the Chargers. And then, of course, they were involved, they were rumored to be involved in, in trade talks with, with the uh, Lions for Darius Slay, and, and obviously he ended up with the Eagles. So um, it, it wasn't for lack of effort from, from what we've been hearing, but they had to bring in someone, and uh, I think... Apple has had his, his share of struggles, but he's also, you know, he has the experience that you that you look for. And I think what is important to keep in mind is that um, when you look at the, the the construction of the cornerback room right now, you've got Trayvon Mullen, who, who's going to be penciled in as one of your starters. But on the other side, you really don't have anybody right now. You've got um, Lawson, Nevin Lawson, who they brought back. Uh, Isaiah Johnson, who we didn't see very much of at all last season because he dealt with injuries. Keyshawn Nixon, who was a practice squad player for most of the season, he got brought up towards the end of the year. Um, you know, Joyner, who was more of the slot corner. You know, that's a lot of inexperience right there. So even if you draft a cornerback, and you, you know, you still have Apple in the mix, who can start early in the season. He's he's been a proven starter in the league. He started 16 games for the Saints last year, and I mean, their defense was nothing to no, no slouch. Um, so, you know, you, you have Apple there and if you do bring in a young guy through the draft, you know, the young guy, if he needs some seasoning, well, then, then you have Apple there who, who can hold it down until, until you have a better option. So I, I like the move. Um, and, and I'm not gonna, you know, I'm not going to complain too much about it. I think, you know, Apple is a former first round pick and I, I, th- I do, I do think he's got some upside there. All right, so those are the additions uh, on the defensive side of the ball. I'm going to step aside here for just a minute and uh, take a quick break. When I return, we will discuss the offensive additions. Blue 42! Blue 42, set! Hey! All right, welcome back. Episode 41 of Just Pod Baby. Breaking down the signings that were made in week one of free agency. We're going to talk offense now. Nothing real flashy here. More depth signings than anything. You're not going to see a lot of instant impact here from this group. Uh, we start with Marcus Mariota at the quarterback. Uh, you know, we thought it would be Tom Brady for a minute, but those those uh, you know those rumors and those talks quickly cooled off, especially in recent weeks. And it seems like money kind of got to be an issue. Maybe it was a little too much more than what... Uh, the Raiders were were willing to go. Um, it also sounds like it was, a, it was a little bit of Brady as well, who just didn't feel comfortable with with Las Vegas, and you know just didn't felt it wasn't a very good fit for him. So he he decided to go sign with Tampa Bay. Obviously, they have a little bit or a lot more weapons around him, so um, that kind of puts all that to rest. Uh, but don't be don't be confused. I want to talk about something here for just a minute, and I don't want to sound like a car hater because. Um, I don't consider myself to be a car hater. I, I, I'm critical of him at times, um, but I've seen a lot of people out there, a lot of car supporters who are kind of out there mocking people um, who were supportive of a, a Brady move or or, mo- or even moving on from car for that matter. And I, I think that, uh, you know, they're out there saying that all, all, it was all just smoke and, you know, ha-ha, the, the Raiders were never really, you know, into Brady, that kind of thing. And uh, I know I, I tend to disagree. 
I think there was genuine interest uh, from the Raiders in Brady. It just didn't materialize. It just it just did not work out. But if you think that Gruden is completely satisfied with Carr, uh, I think you're just lying to yourself. And I and I've talked about this many times, uh, whether it was on the podcast or on Twitter or or, or in any of my articles that I that I write. Um, you know, it's just that's just my opinion. But I just I just get the sense that um, if there was a better option out there, then um, they would make an aggressive move to to uh, upgrade. So uh, enough about that. Mariota, uh, he will be the backup to Derek Carr. There's no doubt about it right now. Um, but I do think that Mariota, although he has not lived up to the billing of a second uh, pick overall in the draft, he does offer some intriguing, you know, uh, he's an intriguing option for, for Gruden. And uh, for whatever reason, if if he does have to go to the backup, whether it's an injury or poor play, what what have you. Um, I do think that Mariota w- would be a good good fit in Gruden's system. Um, I you know I hope he pushes Carr. I really do. I hope Carr senses that although he has the support of of his head coach and and, and although he's made improvements in certain areas of his game and you know he he still has a ways to go. He he's by no means a finished product right now. And, and I think he, he realizes that as all, all players do in this league, they always want to continue and improve. And and from what I gather about Carr, he, he's a hard worker. You know, he will not start, stop working. He loves the game. He loves his team and he, he's going to give it everything he's got. So that, that's the good news. I, I'm hoping that this really motivates Carr, uh, kind of lights a fire because really he's never, uh, if, if you think about his career, his first six years with the team, he's really never been in a situation where he's had a, a backup quarterback um, that could push him, you know, that could legitimately be a threat to him. So I, ho- I, I hope this is a good thing for him. I really do. Um, and I hope that they get some weapons around him. Uh, I, I think we can get a real evaluation on him this year um, if they can get him. A, a, a number one receiver. I think it's it's year three with Gruden. They've added some nice pieces on the defense to take some pressure off him, so we should see an improvement there. And all signs are pointing towards the 12th pick overall in this year's draft being used on a wide receiver one. So to me, it, it's it's put up or shut up time right now. He he's got to come through this year. He's got to really, um, he he's got to really you know put put the offense on his shoulders and and. and Get some wins together. That's that's basically what he's got to do. Um, Nelson Aguilar, he was one of the um, additions that was made to the offense, wide receiver. Uh, again, he's not he's not your he's not a true number one, so there still is a void there. But he, um, you know, he's another former first round pick. This is the third former first round pick that Mayock brought in. So you see, there's a there's some sort of pattern there. There's a there's a trend there. That they're taking these guys with that with, with high upside, hoping that they could um, maybe a, a change of scenery could could really bring some um, bring the best out of them. Um, I think Aguilar is going to have a big chance to compete for some from reps. Um, you know, he 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 can play on the inside in the slot. He can play on the outside. He's done both, which is really what Gruden likes. He likes his receivers to be able to play multiple spots. Um, he has return ability. He's four four speed, so he can run. He, you know, we Gruden has talked about want to get faster. I think he accomplished that with this move. Uh, the issue with Aguilar is he struggled with drops. You know, big time drops, and um, you know he's got to clean that up. So you know he's going to make plays. He's going to make big plays, 
but he's also going to have some some moments where you're just kind of left scratching your head. So you gotta you gotta um, kind of um, temper your ex- expectations with uh, Aguilar. Some other signings that were made on offense: Jason Witten, uh, Nick O'Leary were, were both added, and uh, you know a depth signing guard Eric Cush, who's kind of a journeyman. He's he's been bounced around the league to a few different teams. I think the Rams, the Browns. I can't think of any others right now, but um, I do want to talk a bit about Witten. I, I you know I find this a bit as a, of a mystery, really. I, I just um, you know, and you, when you throw in O'Leary to the mix, I'm just kind of left thinking I, I didn't quite understand what what that move what the purpose of those two signings were uh, they now have five tight ends on the roster we know we, we know Gruden loves tight ends we know he loves uh, multiple tight end sets in his offense but um, I, I thought tight end was the strength of the team prior to free agency I mean I still do but uh I just don't know what Witten has to offer at this point in his career, and I know that you you you, you preach leadership and you preach uh, preach uh, you know having mentors, guys who can you know lead by example and kind of mentor some of your younger guys. But to me, it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Especially, I think I saw four million dollars. Um, I'd just rather see that money uh, be spent elsewhere. So. Um, you know, we'll see how that works out. I don't think O'Leary's position on the roster is safe by any means. He's definitely going to have to compete. I, there's no way they're going to keep five tight ends in the roster, maybe four. So, um, so we'll see how that plays out uh, through through uh, training camp and whatnot. Okay, so those are your moves. Um, I think they've done a nice job filling in some 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 holes that they've had, especially again along defense. They've added an influx of uh, young players who are, you know, in the prime of their careers talent, good contracts. I think they did a nice job there. They didn't really overspend, I don't think. I think they did a nice job of that, getting some value. And and these are guys that will step in right away and, and play and, and be impact players for the, mo- for the most part. So, you know, I think about a grade. If I was to give them a grade right now, I would say you know, a B, B minus. Um, I think it's a job well done by Mayock and Gruden. I really do. So I'm, I'm excited to see how these new guys come in and contribute. All right, those are some of my thoughts on uh, Raiders free agency. Uh, Don't go anywhere because up next you will hear my interview with Vinny Bonsignor of the Las Vegas Review-Journal. Joining me on the line is Vinny Bonsignor, Raiders beat writer for the Las Vegas Review-Journal. Vinny, welcome to Just Pod Baby. How are you? I'm doing good. How are you guys doing? Not too bad up here. Uh, you know, we're all kind of just uh, trying to stay stay uh, stay safe here, and you know, stop the spread of this damn you know virus that we're we're going through here. It's just crazy times we're living in right now. Yeah, no doubt about it. And uh, just stay safe, and you know, hopefully it's all gonna pass sooner rather than later. And uh, but I, I think everyone's anxious to get back to uh, to, to normal and and uh, you know get back to to regular football season and, and all that. And, uh, you know, I know that there were you know a couple different ways that the NFL could have gone, um, you know, with moving forward with their league year. But you know, based on the the, the feedback that I'm getting from readers and, and followers, I think the uh, you know free agency action has really given people a chance to be distracted a little bit from you know from the terrible stuff that's going on uh, out in the real world. So uh, kind of happy that I've been able to play a small little role in uh, in, in providing that distraction for them. Absolutely, it's definitely helped uh, get me through this week. I know that. Uh, so let's let's jump right into it. Um, we are just about a week into free agency now. Most of those high end free agents, 
you know, they're now signed with different teams. We're going to begin moving into the second and third waves. Uh, the Raiders have been very active, making a lot of moves. Uh, but I do want to start with the one move that they did not make, and that was uh, to sign Tom Brady. Uh, there was some a lot of speculation in recent months uh, that the Raiders would make a run at Brady, and, and obviously that did not happen. And there was a report that came out that said the Raiders never really formally offered uh, Brady. Was that was this all just a bluff all along, or was this an issue with money, or was it that Brady just n- was never really interested in joining the Raiders? Um, well, you know, you have to understand that uh, part of what was going on, um, you know, sometimes agents for clients you know, uh, leak things or put things out there or they're talking to other people just trying to basically create sometimes a market for their for their clients. So I think a little bit of that was going on. Uh, there's no doubt that the Raiders uh, had some interest. I mean, I think anyone has to have some interest. Um, you know, if, when you're talking about arguably the, the best quarterback to ever play the game. So, uh, but I always felt like it didn't really make a lot of sense. I think they had you know, so many other areas that they needed to focus on this off season, specifically defense. Uh, and then, you know, a top wide receiver. We all saw it happen when Antonio Brown flamed out for them and the gaping hole that it left uh, at that position. So they, they had other areas that they needed to take care of uh, that I felt, you know, more, even more importantly than Tom Brady. So I just didn't feel like it was, you know, that, that good of a fit from the get go. And I think that we saw uh, how that kind of all played out. Um, where Tom Brady ended up going and, and who the finalists were and who was most interested and who he was seemingly most interested in as well. So speaking of quarterbacks, um, Derek Carr looks like he's definitely going to be the man this year. Um, in his first six years with the team, he's never really been in a situation where there was a legitimate threat behind him at the backup quarterback position. Um, now with the acquisition of Marcus Mariota, you could make an argument that that is no longer the case. Um you know, if Gruden decides, you know, for whatever reason, he does need to go to the backup. If, if Carr should struggle at any point during the year, um, you know, that does give Gruden a viable option. Now, how do you think Carr responds to all of this, having Marcus Marietta there to kind of push him and kind of looking over his shoulder? Well, I think, you know, first and foremost, everything that I've been able to gather, um, you know, Marcus and, and Derek have a good relationship. So it's a relationship that, uh, you know, that goes back a little ways. Um, so there's respect there. And I think there's an understanding, um, you know, of what the situation is. You know, I don't think that this is something, uh, a situation where the Raiders are saying, okay, you guys compete for the quarterback job. I think that there's a clear pecking order um, right now. Um, and I think that's understood uh, from Marcus's perspective. You know, he gets to kind of you know, try to get back onto his feet again after what happened in Tennessee, uh, maybe in a system and under a coach that kind of fits his skill set a little bit, uh, a little bit better. Um, but, you know, at the same time, things happen faster in the NFL. And, and really all you have to look at is Marcus Mariota's own situation in Tennessee. Um, you know, this year, this time last year, you know, Ryan Tannehill going to the Tennessee Titans. I don't think anyone necessarily blinked much when that happened or gave it much thought for that matter. Um, you know, Ryan Tannehill was kind of, you know, a cast off from the Miami Dolphins, hadn't quite put it all, uh, all together uh, in Miami and was kind of going to Tennessee to be Marcus Mariota's backup. And lo and behold, look what happened. Um, you know, Marcus uh, took a big, bit of a step back, wasn't performing that well. Tannehill was put in and seized his opportunity and never looked back, took the, pay, took the Titans to the AFC Championship game and earned himself, 
a really big contract. Um, and then Marcus Mariota was looking for a job. So I'm not saying that's going to happen uh, in, in Las Vegas with the Raiders, but it's certainly a possibility. And I'm certainly sure that Marcus Mariota is thinking, you know, not along those exact lines, but Hey, I'm going to go, you know, try to get back, get my career back on track. Um, even as a backup for now, but you never can predict what's going to happen and he'll be ready uh, for Hopefully for him, he'd be ready at any point. Um, should they, the Raiders turn to him for whatever reason they might turn to him. Uh, so I'm sure that he's looking at it from that perspective. As far as Derek, you know, I think he, he understands that he's the starting quarterback here. It's always good to have competition. It's also good to have um, a good quarterback room. And I think that that's uh, going to be the case uh, with, with both he and, and Marcus Mariota. And I think they're, even just talking to, to Raiders people, they feel like they're they're going to be good for each other. And so, ideally, the whole the quarterback uh, position, the quarterback room, um, gets better for the Raiders this year. Okay, I, I want to talk a little bit about you know, some of these signings that that the Raiders have made. I, I want to start with the wide receiver position. Today, they went out and signed uh, Nelson Aguilar, another former first round pick. Um, but the roster still lacks a true number one. Um, is that where you expect them to go with the 12th pick in the draft? Is there a particular wide receiver there that you think they're, they would be targeting? Well, certainly actions speak louder than words. And, you know, I think, I think Nelson is a, is a, you know, somebody that's going to be able to, to help that position for the Raiders. Uh, he could push for a starting job. He could be a really, uh, you know, productive, experienced um, fourth wide receiver. Um, so, you know, I, I think that that's you know where the, the their head was, where his head was uh, in that signing. But their their overall actions in terms of who they haven't gone after and how much they haven't allocated free agent wise to the wide receiver, receiver position. And I wrote this uh, a couple of days ago. It kind of gives you a little bit of a clue that they may think that they'll be able to fill that position um, in the draft. And you know, fortunate for them. This wide receiver group in this in this draft coming up in April is one of the deepest in years, and they're situated perfectly, especially with some of the things that have already happened uh, ahead of them, with with teams ahead of them, um, you know, uh, in, in the draft where they could be looking at twelve, all three of the top wide receivers: Jerry Judy, uh, Henry Ruggs um, from Alabama, both from Alabama, and C.D. Lamb from Oklahoma. And I think the, I think there's a good chance that all three will be on the board at twelve, if not at least two of those three. And I think that it seems like anyway, that, uh, that that's probably the direction that they're going to go in. And all three are, you know, projected as, as difference makers, immediate difference makers. So, um, you know, that, that, that comfortability that, you know, they can answer that question in the draft certainly help them be able to allocate and devote more focus uh, to other positions, which is what they did. You think there's any way possible that, they would maybe double dip in the first round with, with wide receiver. Let's say they were able to get two of those three guys. I mean, can you say no to that opportunity? Well, um, I, I think that uh, who wouldn't, you know, want to add two of those uh, three guys, you know, immediately and just, and just, you know, make your wide receiver group, you know, ridiculously talented in the process. But I, but, you know, I, I Nelson Aguilar. Also, I think they they have uh, hope that you know Terrell Williams um, is is healthy again after after going through uh, an injury plague year last year. You know with his feet issues. Um, so I, I 
I mean, they, I wouldn't be shocked if they did it, but I would be a little bit surprised. I think that they go wide receiver at one of those picks, probably number 12, and then at number 19, uh, probably go back to defense, whether it's adding another explosive linebacker, um, a cornerback. You know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't rule that out at all. Uh, they could go safety at that position. But one of the good things, um, and, you know, this is something I've uh, kind of touched on in a couple of my stories, I think the, the work that they put in this week, um, and they, they, they got after it um, uh, this week in free agency, filling a lot of holes um, and being able to bring in guys that can start, even a, a safety like Jeff Heath, you know, and, and Eli Apple, the cornerback that they got from the New Orleans Saints as a free agent. Both of those two guys might, be, might not be the long, long-range answer at those two positions, but they can certainly start and hold their own. Uh, they've already shown that they can um, in the NFL. So that allows you to be selective and prudent uh, and not kind of draft, you know, out of desperation at those two positions. Um, so you, and, and it also allows you, whoever you do bring in, let's say you, let's say you draft a safety at 19 or a cornerback at 19, you don't necessarily have to rush them right now. You don't need them to be immediate starters. Uh, you can bring them out if they go into training camp and just, you know, make it very clear that they're the best option at, you know, a safety position or a cornerback position, then that's great. Uh, but you don't need them to do that immediately because you filled those holes. Um, so could they double dip? Perhaps, but uh, at wide receiver. Uh, but I, I think they're probably going to try to shore up a little bit more of that defense at some point, probably with that 19th pick. Vinny Bonsignor, uh, Raiders beat writer for the Las Vegas Review Journal, joining me here on Just Pod Baby, doing a great job. Um, you know, it's been a while since the Raiders have invested some money into the linebacker position. That all changed this week uh, when they brought in two linebackers, uh, Nick Kwiatkowski and uh, Corey Littleton, uh, to go along with Markel Lee and, and Nicholas Morrow, who was uh, given a second-round tender. Do you think—you you, you alluded to it a, a, uh, on your last— uh, statement there do you think they are now set at linebacker or is it possible that they would maybe look to add someone you know it's it's like a guy like kenneth murray is he would he still be an option do you think or you think they're pretty much set or queen from from ls correct um no i don't i don't necessarily think that they're set and and you could really turn that linebacker crew around uh if you do circle back at 19 um to, to, to one of those two guys uh, can you imagine that? I mean, that, that would just all of a sudden in the blink of an eye, and they kind of already have because uh, Kwiatkowski and, and Littleton really um, solve a lot of problems and address a lot of issues that the, Ra- the Raiders had last year. But you could also really, really solidify yourself, um, and I wouldn't rule it out at, ni- at 19 with one of those two, the, you know, the, the LSU linebacker or, or the Oklahoma linebacker. Um, and all of a sudden, that's, that's a position of strength and youth. Um, so – it wouldn't surprise me whatsoever if, if that's what they did. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was thinking about that today myself. Um, the only thing that would make me hesit- be hesitant to think they might go linebacker in the in the first round is is the such a high percentage of the time that they're spending in in uh, the nickel with only two linebackers. Now, I don't know if Kwiatkowski is is you know has great cover ability. So maybe if they brought in a guy like Queen, he could be play more so in the nickel. I mean, there's definitely some options there. Um, Moving on here, Malik Collins and Carl Nassib, they were added to bolster the pass rush. How do you see those two fitting in, and, and who do you expect to make a bigger impact early on? Well, um, really like the Collins signing. Um, a, he's a Rod Marinelli guy, and 
Um, you know, if I if I figured out anything covering the NFL, when when coaches make you know change, uh, you know, from go from one team to the other and bring guys in from their other team, it's usually a pretty good sign. And especially you know Ron Marinelli case, he drives a hard bargain and uh, knows what he's looking for. He's really good at what he does. So if he felt, I'm sure he had his fingerprints all over that that you know that that uh, free agent uh, acquisition. And you look at the stats, and you know, I mean, he he's he's definitely an interior pass rusher, and that's something that the Raiders had made a huge priority this offseason, trying to generate some push, uh, you know, inside. Um, so I think that he's gonna he's he's in line to to make a pretty good impact early on, um, but. You know, Carl, on the other hand, uh, while he's been, a re- you know, I, you would expect that he'd be a reserve player um, with with the Raiders, but you can never have too much pass rush, and you can never have too much depth at the defensive line. You know, look at what the 49ers did with with all the, with the with the great players that they had on their on their defensive line, especially when you can get into a a situation where you're comfortable with your backups in order to to play a rotation and keep guys fresh. Uh, it just makes the whole thing function a lot easier, and and also, you know, you can you can picture, um, you know, Carl coming in at uh, uh, a defensive end, you know, maybe pushing uh, Cleveland Farrell uh, into an interior position on pass rush downs, along with Max Crosby uh, and and Collins, and all of a sudden you have four guys uh, that can really get after get after the the quarterback um, on the field at any given time. So I think that those are really prudent um they might not be you know uh, earth-shattering moves but you know i think raider fans will understand uh, how prudent that those two moves were when they see these guys on the field being productive and being experienced and guys that are capable and also good guys in the locker room and that's something that the raiders have made a, a, a real real priority um the last couple of years and certainly since mike mayak's come aboard uh, i think that that's something that they have identified as a must-have when we, you know, uh, uh, add players in their mind. They're thinking, you know, production, obviously, talent, youth, uh, but also somebody that they're going to be able to say, hey, we can trust a guy like that in the locker room to be an addition in that way as well. Yeah, I think one thing that's kind of flying under the radar is uh, you mentioned youth. I, I, I'm not sure about all of the signings with the exception of, you know, Jason Witten, but most – if not all of these players are like 27 or 28 years or younger. So, you know, if you think about where the roster was just two years ago when Gruden first came in, they've really done a good job of kind of turning that roster over and, and, and bringing in some some youth and talent at the same time, which I think is a, is a real good thing. Uh, just got a couple more questions here for you. Uh, we already spoke about Nelson Aguilar, but the Raiders were made some other moves today, uh, mostly for depth signing. They, they added... Um, Rod Smith or a re-signed Rod Smith, I should say. Uh, they brought in guard Eric Cush, and you know Gruden just can't help himself. He had to bring in another tight end, uh, Nick O'Leary, um, which again I'm not quite sure what's going on with all the tight end moves. But um, at, at this point, what, what else do you think the Raiders could be could do in free agency? Well, in free agency, um, you know, there's always going to be uh, potential bargains um, out, out there during the second wave of free agency. Um, you know, maybe they shore up uh, linebacker, uh, you know, because I think they were really looking to get three new players in there this year as starters, three new starting players um, and, and depth. So they might be able to uh, find somebody that they feel can step in and, and, and produce, you know, you know, especially at this time, because, yes, 
you know, let's say they do draft, you know, Kenneth Murray, let's just say from, from Oklahoma, you know, ideally he comes in and starts and that would be the expectation. It would probably be a surprise if he didn't, but what if he didn't, what if he, what if there was a learning curve? Uh, so you see some signings this time of year where guys, where, where teams are just sort of protecting their bet or just making sure, having all their bases covered so that if the rookie that they draft uh, isn't quite ready to go, they feel like they have a, a veteran that's, you know, you can be comfortable with uh, in that role. So I uh, wouldn't be surprised there. Uh, you know, safety can also be uh, an, another area, uh, especially the way safeties are being used now. Uh, you need multiple options at safety uh, with how guys are, you know, almost playing, you know, uh, a de facto linebacker position sometimes, you know, when you, when you get into to nickel and, and dime situations. So, uh, you know, but I, I think obviously the heavy lifting has, has already been done. Um, you know, they'll, they'll pick through the what's remaining and, and you know, make, try to make some wise decisions from here on out. But uh, I think pretty soon they're going to turn that corner and start really focusing in on the draft. And I think that they really created flexibility for themselves where they don't have to panic draft aside from maybe wide receiver, but you know, they picked a good year to have to do that because there's like we mentioned earlier, they're sitting pretty to get one of the premier guys uh, in this draft. So there's no real desperation. They're not where they want to be right now. They, they still have work to do, but they're, they're, they're certainly dealing uh, from a position of strength much more now than they have been in, in recent years, especially after what they did this week. All right, final question here for you. Uh, looking at all the pieces that were added to the roster this week, the team certainly looks improved on paper, especially on the defensive side of the ball. If you were to give Gruden and Mayock a grade so far in free agency, what would it be? Um, I, I would go uh, a, a, a B plus, B plus A minus. And, and you know, I... I, I think that, you know, had they been able to come out with one of the, the top cornerbacks, um, you're looking at a hard, hard A, like a big-time A. Uh, and it still might be a, might, you know, turn out to be an A, um, you know, when, when it's all said and done and these guys get on the field and, you know, uh, and, and show what they can do. Even Eli Apple, there's, there's, there's a feeling that there's some untapped potential left there. There's definitely youth and experience. And, you know, he kind of fits a profile for, for what they're looking for uh, as a press cornerback. So uh, it's close to being an A, but because they weren't, you know, able to bring in that, that top uh, cornerback. And they made a push, uh, no, no question about it. They made a push for Byron Jones. Uh, they, they kind of came up a little bit empty. Um, and I think in that case, they, they weren't going to go that high uh, or as high as the Miami Dolphins did for Byron Jones. So it was more the case where, okay, we're backing out. <laughs> we're not going to pay, pay that, that kind of money. Uh, but but so far so good, and I, and and this is the second straight so far off season I think that has has gone pretty well. You know we can sit here and talk about uh, what happened with Antonio Brown, but at the very least uh, the idea was there. It was it made sense. Uh, it didn't work out. Uh, they've moved on. Everyone's moved on. It wasn't a killer for them. Uh, they can they can try to redo it. You know this off season in, in the draft, but uh, so far so good for the Mike Mike Mayock John Gruden tandem. Well, there you have it, uh, Vinny Bonsignor, Raiders beat writer for the Las Vegas Review-Journal. Vinny, I'd like to thank you so much for giving us your time. We really appreciate it. Um, you know, Stay safe out there, stay healthy, and uh, we, we will continue to follow you and your work and uh, you know, keep it up. All right, man. Thank you very much, and, and, and you as well. Hope you enjoyed that spot there with Vinny Bonsignor, Las Vegas Review-Journal. Gave you some good insight as to what the Raiders uh, did in free agency and what they may do in the draft. 
I'd like to thank Vinny one more time. Uh, before I wrap up this episode here tonight, um, I do want to just kind of give you some uh, programming notes here, what to expect here going forward. Uh, I probably will not be recording next week. I'm going to take a little break here. Um, I do have a big announcement to make, though. Um, I mentioned to you guys um, a couple weeks ago that uh, I may be moving on from Silver and Black uh, Pride and I've been looking for a new home for the podcast, and um, just kind of a teaser, I did find a new spot to, uh, you know, provide you with this podcast, new platform, so um, I'm not going to make the announcement yet, but uh, we are planning on um, doing that sometime here in in early April, and and possibly launching um, the show on the new platform um, just before uh, draft time. So I'm excited to, to get that information out to you, but you will have a spot to find me. Uh, make sure you're following me on Twitter at egroat 5 uh, to get the information. And um, as soon as we, um, you know, as soon as I can get that out for you, I will. So uh, keep that in mind. With that being said, that is going to do it for this week's edition of Just Pod Baby with Evan Grote. I want to thank everyone. Uh, for tuning in each week. Uh, And I hope that everyone out there is staying safe. we got to stick together. This is a tough time we're going through right now, but the best thing we can do is just to to work together. Um, I hope that everyone has a great week. And as always, just win, baby.